Welcome to The Bee's Knees, a podcast full of articles, interviews, clinical studies, and advice about knee surgery, physical therapy, and life after knee surgery. You are welcome. Welcome to learn. Welcome to participate. Welcome to join a private discussion about knee surgery recovery and rehab. R&R, Knee Surgery Recovery and Rehab, a private discussion group on Facebook. Search Facebook groups for knee replacement recovery and look for the beach. You are welcome. Hello and welcome to the Bees Knees podcast. This is your host, PJ Ewing. Today, we focus on the manipulation under anesthesia, the MUA. These are letters that you do not want to hear if you've had a knee surgery and are in the middle of uh, what you hope to be the great recovery. If it is something that you are asked to consider, if it's something that you have to go through, uh, there are lots of implications behind that. Very quickly, a manipulation under anesthesia is when you go into a surgical center or the hospital, the surgeon uh, assistants, as well as an anesthesiologist are there, they administer anesthesia, you go to sleep, the surgeon then bends your knee and your leg uh, straight to zero degrees and back to at least 130 degrees, hopefully, usually, and then the anesthesia is, is over, you wake up and you are then instructed to get to PT and get that knee bending on your own now that the surgeon has proven to you and everyone else that you can go to full range of motion, zero and 130 degrees. Recovery afterwards is not always easy. This is not an automatic fix. In fact, some people need a second manipulation, and if that doesn't work, we're now headed into a whole other category, which involves arthroscopy potentially. And if that doesn't work, now we've got a much bigger problem, and we're looking at things like revision surgeries. So we have a patient, a gentleman named Jeff Holman. Jeff and Mary Elliott discuss his path to MUA and then recovery afterwards. It's a good story. He does get to a beautiful result and success at the end, but he has a sort of an interesting route to get there. So we'll we'll hear all about that. Before we get to a real patient story about recovery from knee surgery, total knee, and then MUA, I'd like to share with you some research that was recently done about patient results and manipulation under anesthesia from a very credible source, the Journal of Arthroplasty. So I'll give you a quick summary of the results right now, and then we'll get to the interview. The article in the Journal of Arthroplasty, published January 23rd, 2018, is Risk Factors, Outcomes, and Timing of Manipulation Under Anesthesia After Total Knee Arthroplasty. There are six different surgeon medical wonderful authors here. The author information also shares some great credentials. Harvard Combined Orthopedic Residency Program, the Olympic Medical Center, uh, the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at Duke, and the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at the University of California, San Francisco. So some smart people. Uh, I'll have a link to the all the credentials and all the information in the show webpage, the episode webpage, if you're curious. The abstract. 
Knee stiffness requiring manipulation under anesthesia, MUA, is an undesirable outcome following total knee arthroplasty, TKA, but risk factors for and optimal timing of MUA remain unclear. I love that abstract because it states that it's not desirable, of course, it may be necessary, but it's about timing and risk factors. And this is really for you because when to have an MUA is a question you'll be asked. The surgeon may suggest this is the timing, we need to do it now, we, we can wait, et cetera, et cetera. And then what are the risk factors should you decide to go forward? And you wanna make sure that you're super smart about that. Let's continue. The background. Primary TKAs performed at a single center were retrospectively reviewed. Clinical variables were compared between patients who underwent MUA and those who did not. Variables that differed were utilized to identify an appropriately matched control group of non-MUA patients. The MUA group was divided into early MUAs, those under six weeks, and late MUAs, those over six weeks post-surgery. Those are two subgroups that were looked at. Flexion values, bending backwards, at multiple time points were compared. And I'll pause right there. I'm interested in how they gained those flexion values. I'm guessing they used what's called a goniometer, that little plastic slide rule measuring tool, uh, which is actually quite inaccurate to do measurements. But let's give them the benefit of the doubt in that they had the same people well-trained doing the evaluations. Okay, the results. In total, 1,729 TKA patients were reviewed. MUA was performed in 62 patients. Patients undergoing MUA were younger, 55 versus 65 years old, and they had higher rates of current smoking, 21% versus 7.3%, and prior procedures, 59% versus 40%. Most commonly, that procedure was an arthroscopy. A control group of patients not requiring MUA matched on the basis of these variables was identified. While no difference in pre-TKA flexion existed across the groups, final flexion in the early MUA group was 106.7, and this was equivalent to that of the control group, 115, while the final flexion in the late MUA group was not, it was only 101 degrees. So let's just make a comment on that right now, which is that the folks that had the MUA later did much more poorly in the final result than those that had the MUA more quickly. That's pretty interesting. What else did we learn? We learned that smoking isn't so good. Having a prior procedure isn't so great. So there are factors that we know about that are basically a problem. The other one is age you see that the younger patients had a higher incidence of MUA than the older patients. Surprise, surprise. For some, for me, not, not at all. It's much harder to recover when you're younger than it is when you're older. We've seen that repeatedly. Let's go on with the study. TKA patients undergoing MUAs were younger, more likely to be current smokers, and more likely to have undergone prior knee surgery. Even in patients with severe initial post-operative limitations in range of motion, MUA within six weeks may allow for final outcomes that are equivalent to those experienced by similar patients not requiring manipulation. So you can catch up with those that don't need an MUA if you have an MUA 
early enough in the process. Fascinating. Let me make one or two really important points here. Notice that the difference between the final groups uh, was 106 degrees, almost 107, to 101. Hmm. Not that different, even though there is a difference, right? So getting in and doing the MUA earlier did make a little difference from 101 to 107 degrees of flexion. But also notice that neither of these cases resulted in reasonable and productive and functional range of motion. The difference between 106 and 103, okay, those are both the MUA groups, but the control group got to 115 degrees. There's an enormous difference between 106, 101, and 115 because at 115, you can ride a bike, you can do a bunch of things that you cannot do at 106 and you cannot do at 101. I get that it's better to be younger, not to smoke, not to have prior procedures. Okay, fine. If we can control some of those things, great. But it doesn't make a huge difference. And in neither case are we getting to a reasonable range of motion. My sort of important point, and when you listen to this next interview, you'll understand more, is that it turns out that with this X10 machine that we talk a lot about on this podcast, we're getting those results after MUA all the way into 115, 120, 130, much more often than not, meaning we're exceeding these numbers by a dramatic margin after manipulation under anesthesia. And in fact, there is research that's coming out next year that will sort of validate that. So soon we'll be talking about an X10 study, and these numbers pale in comparison to the results of having the X10 in the home after a manipulation to solve the problem. Okay, let's move on from this to an actual patient and an actual interview with someone who did have to have an MUA and how they did afterwards. Hello, everyone. This is Mary Elliott from X10 Therapy. Uh, I am being joined today by a wonderful person. Uh, he started his journey having a total knee replacement, and then a few months, two months, approximately two months past that, he needed to have a manipulation under anesthesia. So please uh, welcome Jeff uh, to uh, share his story and his experience with us. Hi, Jeff. Do you want to introduce yourself to everyone and let them know who we, a little bit about you? Sure. Hi, Mary. I'm Jeff. I'm 61, about to be 62 next week. Had a, a happy birthday. Major, oh, thank you. <laughs> a major injury in ninth grade, so back when the dinosaurs walked on the earth. At that point in my life, they casted me for about six weeks and just put me back out in the world, and then. I had a, a, a fairly substantial knee injury in college, and that's when they did surgery. So I had been 40 years with an injured knee prior to the replacement, and so just got to a point where I was having difficulty walking, and the surgeon decided it was time. So went in and, and uh, had the replacement. Okay. Now, did you have surgery in ninth grade? or No. So that was the interesting thing. It was probably... I, I, I'm pretty sure it was a full ACL tear, and they just kind of put it back together and then casted it, and, and it was always pretty loose from that point going forward, and I was pretty athletic and played a lot of sports, and it would, it would do what I would call going out, and when it would go out, then it would swell up. So 
I think it was finally skiing in the winter in, in college that it went out. And at that point, they said, yeah, we need to do surgery. So, you know, from ninth grade till I think it was my freshman year in college, I just kind of dealt with it being pretty loose. And Mary, the surgery was very antiquated. It was what they called a ligament transfer. It wasn't really ACL reconstruction. It was they took the ligament on the side that was so stretched out and just kind of flipped the other side of the knee. So I have these very long scars on both sides of my knee. You know, I just it just was a little before the arthroscopic surgery and all the things that they can do these days. And so I, it worked. It just had gotten very sore over the years and to a point where it was bone on bone. And there was just nothing left. It was sort of replacement or nothing. And I kept hearing, well, you're too young. You're too young. And my wife and I kind of talked it over and said, well, when are we going to be the right age? Because I want to have access to all sorts of things when I'm 60, not when I'm, you know, 70. So anyway, um, the surgeon totally agreed, said, yeah, this is this is now limiting what you can do and made the decision that it was, um, you know, a good time to, to, to move forward with the replacement. Well, I hear that all the time. You know, from the majority of my patients, when I have a conversation with them after they recover, they always say, Mary, I don't know what, why I waited so long. I shouldn't have waited so long. This is great. <laughs> but, right? Exactly. Right? You got your freedom back, right? Yeah, right? right? Freedom is a good thing. <laughs> so now you decide to have surgery. How did you choose your surgeon? Did you already know him or? I did not. That's, uh, that's an interesting question. I'm uh, in the Ann Arbor, Michigan area, and uh, obviously we have phenomenal health care options here. Um, I actually have a friend who's not a close friend, but a friend who I know through sports, as a matter of fact, who's an orthopedic surgeon, who I originally went to look uh, at for the knee, and, and he was the one that said, you know, you're a little too young with weight. Knowing that at this point I was ready to do this, I really wanted to kind of move forward. I, I thought of him. But because I'd already been there, I was just checking into the community, and there were two, two he and another gentleman in the local community who were doing lots of knees and hips. And so, you know, he just basically got a recommendation from other folks that had used the surgeon, went to, you know, obviously the initial visit with him, and just we really got along well. He understood why it was there. It wasn't, you know, this willy-nilly, I hope I can, you know, get surgery, but he listened, he talked to me, he understood that it was really impacting my life and did some tests that day. And, and honestly, in the first visit, he said, yeah, this is something we need to move, move forward with. And I felt very, very comfortable with him and had obviously tons of recommendations from folks that I had talked to and very, very busy surgeon, which I think is always a good sign. So, I, you know, it was more of a uh, he and I clicked, obviously a very, very successful surgeon. Just felt like it was the right, right, right gentleman to work with. Do you recall what was your strength like in your quads and, and your basically your entire leg as far as the muscles surrounding your knee? And what was your flexibility? Where were you at? You know, you don't realize how, how much you are favoring that until you don't have to. But I literally had a V in my left leg, which is the leg we had the surgery done on, in the sense that the meniscus and everything on the left side had all worn out, so it was bone on bone. I was very limited. I could ride a bike, and which was very important to me. I hadn't run, you know, because it just would swell up immediately. I haven't run in 20 years in terms of any kind of length. I played tennis through college and, and was able to play those kinds of sports where it was quick movement, but I couldn't run any distance. I, I, I didn't really ask, and I don't know that we talked about it, but my sense is that he thought I was about at 110. I can tell you that going downstairs were difficult. I could, but 
I always kind of thought about it. it the, the, the scariest thing would be if I was forced somehow to completely bend it. And I can tell you, I did it once jumping into a pool that I thought it was deeper than it was. And it forced the knee to bend completely. And I was out of commission two weeks after I could barely walk. So I think Mary was probably around 110 going in and very, very little muscle strength around it. When I first saw the original gentleman, the, the surgeon I first talked to, and he said I was too young, he had me go to PT, and they spent 10 visits trying to strengthen around it. And I could do the exercises. It's just that the I, I couldn't walk on it normally, so I just think it was always getting favored, and I just wasn't forcing it to have the muscle tone that the other leg had. Okay, so you have surgery. You're confident with your surgeon. So what happens next? Well, I go in. Everything goes great. You know, you spend the one night in the hospital. I'm walking that night up and down, obviously, with a walker. And, you know, I have, I think it was a morphine drip actually inserted into the knee. I may be wrong on what the drug was, but there was a pain medicine that was inserted directly into the knee. So I had no real pain. Spent the night, I should tell you, I spent the night in the hospital. They walk you up and down. And then before you can go home, they have you go down to their little PT area and have you do some exercises to make sure you'll be okay at home. And she sort of had me go up and down stairs, which I could do with, a you know, one foot next to the other on the way up. And then she said, could you do a squat for me? Well, I haven't done squats in, you know, 40 years. And and I literally almost felt lightheaded. I, I thought, well, wow. man. And she said, well, try. And I said, I can't. There's there's something across the front of my knee. I could just feel it at the top of it. I assumed it was part of the surgery. And I said, I, there's no way. She said, well, just sit down for a minute. And didn't do the squat. But I went home, started, I think, the next day with in-home physical therapy. You know, had me doing different things and different exercises. And I was very tight and very, yeah, I just, I wasn't getting much mobility out of the knee, but obviously I've just come out of surgery, so I don't think much of it. Two weeks to a month was my next uh, visit with the surgeon. They wanted me to be at 90 degrees on my flexion, and I wasn't very close to that. I then started on outpatient physical therapy, and, and we did a lot of cranking on the knee, and they would try and have my knee bend to ride a bike, and I kept telling them there's something across. I mean, I, I know this knee pretty well. <laughs> there's something across the front of my knee that's not letting it bend. You guys push all you want on it, but it, it's not going to happen. And I'm not a wimp. I would leave physical therapy literally in tears. And they were pretty frustrated because I think there was this sense that, you know, I wasn't doing what I was supposed to. And so I had gone back to work after two weeks, you know, very immobile, but I was going back. And so they said to me, well, you went back to work too early. You know, that's what we see is people that stay home have more ability to, to work on it. I was fairly frustrated. Had the month visit with the, the surgeon, and I actually met with his PA that visit, and uh, she said, yeah, you're not getting uh, the range of motion we'd like to see. I was, I was at 70 degrees at that point. She said, let's see you again in two weeks and make a decision on whether or not, you know, we go in for an MUA. And I went back to physical therapy, and we pushed and pushed and pushed on it, and then came back. And that second visit, uh, I saw the surgeon, and he, he immediately said, yeah, we're going to go in for an MUA, which I didn't really know what that meant. But everyone I talked to in the medical field as I was getting ready to, you know, I'd schedule it and so forth, they said, oh, that's the two-minute surgery. You know, you're two hours in pre-op, two hours in post-op, but you're only two minutes inside because they just push your knee around and crank it about. But 
So I had a bunch of scar tissue. What it turned out was that thing that I kept feeling across my knee was scar tissue. It would not allow my knee to bend. There was no way in in heck I was going to have that cranked on to a point that that was going to break it. So, you know, at the six-week point, went in for the MUA and came out. The doctor said, Jeff, just spin. Just go home. You have a spin bike at home and just start spinning. He wasn't even that much of a proponent on the physical therapy. And so that's what I went home with. And then my wife said, this is, this is silly, and got online, and we found the X-10. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a lovely, loving wife. And that's when I came into the picture because I, yep. I, I spoke to her first. And, oh, yep. God, she was so endearing. She just really loves you, Jeff. She, to, she told me, look, he's struggling. My husband's an active man. You know, he plays sports. You know, this is, this is difficult watching him suffer like this and she said so I went online and I found you can you talk to him and I think that's when I can't remember exactly when you and I first connected but yeah I thought that was so sweet you know she cares a lot about you so you have this manipulation now you come home and now you start doing what the the surgeon had suggested for you to do what was going on in your mind I was obviously pretty frustrated and, and and this is not an indictment of the physical therapy world. It wasn't going to bend. But I was pretty frustrated with physical therapy because it really was pretty clear to me this thing wasn't going to bend, and I kept telling them that. We just kept doing the same thing over and over. So there was a frustration, obviously, that built up in me. In the whole process, at the point when I met with the physical the PA and we were deciding on the next visit if we'd go to the MUA, she said, well, where are you doing, PT? And I explained, and she said, well, we like this one over here, which I'd wish they told me in the beginning, but regardless. So I had gone over there before I knew I was going in for the MUA and had set up appointments for after, depending on what the next step was. I had frustration with the PT world, decided from the MUA that, that uh, you know, whatever, you know, the doctor said we would do, I would do came out of the MUA and knew that I had more flexibility because I could ride a bike than that day when I came home. I could get it to spin around. I had to put the seat way up so I could barely touch, but I could at least get my, my knee to bend enough. So I started with that spinning, and I went to the PT that they had told me they thought they liked, and it was a whole different experience. They were much more about massaging the knee and not cranking on the knee and being much more gentle with it. And in the meantime, because of the frustration with the PT and, and being worried that just spinning wasn't going to be enough, my wife just looked on the Internet, found the X-10, and we looked and we looked and we looked because she just assumed that it's not going to be as revolutionary as everyone is saying. But the testimonials and the, and the people that were moving after they used the X-10 it was exactly what I needed to see. And then Ann talked with you and, and she just came and said, I think we need to try this. You know, let's, let's try everything. You know, you don't want to regret that if you'd done something else, you would have had movement in your knee. And Mary, there's nothing like having your knee stuck at 70 degrees to be life altering. I couldn't get in and out of a car. I obviously couldn't ride a bike. I wasn't walking well. I couldn't go up and down stairs. And there's this real fear that, oh, I made a huge mistake. At least before I went in, you know, I was walking and riding bikes. I hurt a lot, but I could do those things. 
your mind is at the point of I would do anything that would make it manipulate better. So she found the X10. I was in a very, very, very dark place, very frustrated, very concerned that I'd made the wrong decision. It, It wasn't just reach out to anything, but the website, the information that was on the website, you in terms of the encouragement and the and the sense that yes, people like Jeff are the people that we make you know a lot of a lot of movement forward with, really was what we needed to hear. So I thought, okay, I've got PT, I can spin in the basement, and now I've got this X10. Let's go for it, and let's just you know everything we can do to throw at this knee to get it moving. So that's when we made the decision that the X10 fit. I would do PT as well. We do the X10. And and we just see where we could get, and that's sort of what led us to the X10 and making making the decision to move forward with that. So you make the decision. What are you expecting? What are you wanting as far as results? Well, so in the manipulation, the doctor came out and told Ann that he had gotten me to 110 to 115, which was transformational when I was at 70 going in. So my goal was to be at 115 at, at the end of my life. You know, I I would have taken 115. That meant I could ride a bike. I'd be pretty functional through all ranges. What I'd heard at the PT clinic was 110 was sort of the the lowest end of functionality in terms of sort of the things you can do. So I figured 115 would be great. I mean, after 70, you know, 115 sounded, you know, like the end of the world. So I came out with the surgeon sort of at the same place that we, we really expected that I would end up between 110 and 115 and the flexion. I should say, Mary, that during the the original PT, my extension was always fine. I was always able to get beyond zero. So it wasn't the extension, it was always the flexion. So I, when I talk about that, my goal was always from the flexion side, you know, the, the extension had been okay. The scar tissue would kick in, obviously, on flexion. So I, I really came out with just sort of a, a, a goal from the flexion side of 110 to 115. Okay, and both you and your surgeon would have been ecstatic with that, right, at this Correct. point? At this point. Okay, all right. So tell us what happens next. So now you get the X10 into your home. You start using it. Tell us where you're at now with your feelings, your goals. What, what are you thinking? What starts well, to happen? I have a wonderful coach, of course, who, uh, <laughs> Candace, who, who you folks provide your, your uh, patients with. We talked the first day after the unit was, was brought into our home, which was, by the way, the most easy thing. You call and, you know, they schedule it. They tell you when it's going to come. The young man brought it in, taught me everything I was need, need to do. We went through all the, all the books on it and, and got me set on my original starting point. Um, do you remember where you started? Do, I'm sorry, yeah. do, do you remember where you started? It was, it was funny. I don't have my book in front of me, but I think it was at uh, it was less than 90. You started at 17 and 80. That's where they set your first That's what, yeah. sentence. That's what I okay. thought. Okay. And, and there's this point where um, you don't know what pain is, you don't know what tightness is, you don't know, well, can it go farther? You know, I, I don't know. So Candace and I spoke. So those are the numbers I started at. And she said, Jeff, it's like a clock. She said, you know, each degree is like one second. She said, so it's very little. So she said, our goal for you each time, and, and I said, well, how often should I use it? She said, well, some people use it five or six times a day, but we recommend three. So that's, that was my goal, to get three times a day and to get one degree out of each of those three times each, each time I sat down in it. And I may have done one that night, and Mary, you can probably look it up, but I think I got to maybe 95 pretty early on. And then I went to 97, 99, and 100. And 
I could just tell that this, you know, the mornings were always the best. I'd get up and do it around 6 in the morning, and I'd get home, and I, I had to work. And so I would get home. I said, well, Candace, can I do two, you know, if I get home at 6? She said, sure, just try and be two to three hours apart. So my goal was 6 a.m., then I would do about a 6 p.m., and then about a 9 p.m., and I would do three a day. And she had me doing warm-ups, you know, where I would where I would do five minutes, ten minutes uh, before. And then what I got to the point, I was just doing the first ten minutes would sort of be my warm-up, and then I could, cook, you know, sort of kick it up almost like 10, 10 degrees right away. But anyway, in the very beginning, it was three times a day. It was you know, 95 to 97 to 99 to, you know, 100 was a huge number. And I think I stuck around 100 for a few. And then I could just tell that it it could do it. It just, you know, it needed to do it slowly. And in the meantime, I'm also, if you remember, going to PT. So I'm going to this new PT clinic. And they're a very soft tissue manipulation group. It was phenomenal. So I got very lucky that that's who I was going to. There was no cranking anymore. There was just a lot of manipulation, a lot of massage on the knee, and then a lot of biking. And they just put me on things. And they had a great term. They said, motion is lotion. I really liked that concept of just get it moving. It warms it up. And, it, you know, if once you start, it feels better. And so they were very good at warming me up with the manipulation and the massage and putting me on some weight-bearing things, but a lot of it was just get motion into the knee. So, Mary, I'm going to PT. I made a decision. My wife and I made a decision. We weren't going to tell the surgeon and we weren't going to tell the PT people that we were using the X10 because we didn't want anyone to say, well, you did that and that's why this didn't work, or, well, if you're doing that, then you're not going to get our care. We just figured they didn't need to know. I loved it. It was working for me, so I just kind of didn't make it a big deal to anyone. I did it behind the scenes. But I would go to PT, and they were seeing these phenomenal changes in my knee. <laughs> I was going from <laughs> 90 to 110. And and they and look, I don't care how they, they viewed it, but they thought they were doing really wonderful work, and they were. I was glad that I was doing both. But the X10 was doing it. And um, they would say, my gosh, we got you to 110 today. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm at 115 at home. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I was so anyway, to go back to the start, it was very helpful to have Candace just to say, here's how it's going to feel. Here's how we want you to do it. Don't go fast. Just take your time, but do try to get a little bit each day in, in each workout. And I was religious with my workouts, um, and I got to the point where I loved them. I mean, I looked forward to them because it really did, it, it loosened me. I would come home from work where it had been tight all day, really, you know, you're stuck at, at work. You can't get up and move around as much. So at 6 p.m., I'd sit down, and it would loosen it up. The X10 would slowly but surely loosen up. And that's when I knew I was on the right route because it would loosen it up. Before, it would tighten up and stay tight. With the X10, I could get it loose and get it, you know, three times a day it was getting loosened and work. And then I would go to PT a couple times a week. And I, and then I could start to move the seat down on my bike. And so I was seeing that it was working, and that, that was transformational because I I felt like there was finally a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, I can feel the happiness coming from you, Jeff. Oh, my gosh, it's beautiful. <laughs> Honestly, I can feel it. Well, okay, so now you, you did hit the 115, but explain to them, hey, you didn't stop at 115. What happened? So you hit 115. That was your initial goal. Then what happened? You know, I've, I've always been a uh, – you know, I, I like to set goals, and I like to, you know, I work hard to meet my goals. And 
and so I met that goal, and, and I think we had originally um, set, set up to have the machine for three weeks, and I got, I was like, I don't want to let go of this, my, my, my new friend here. So <laughs> we called, and I, and I asked if we could get it for another, I think I got it another three weeks, and thank goodness it was available, and, and they just said, yeah, we'll leave it in your house. So I was clearly, as I was going through this, um, able to get a couple degrees each time and I thought okay let's go for 120 I you know I thought I'll move beyond where we thought I was going to be and that would be phenomenal and then I got to 122 and then I got to 124 and then I got to 130 and um which is where the the machine maxes out and while it was uncomfortable at 130 the wonderful thing about it is it is when you get to the point where it takes it at whatever level of flexion, whether it's 120, 122, then it dwells for 10 seconds. And the dwell is the important thing. It holds it at that spot that it's having a little bit of tightness, and then it moves it back out, and then it brings it back to that spot and holds it. And that, that dwell was what I liked because I, I can take pain, and I could. it wasn't even pain because everyone would ask me what my level of pain was, and I would say it's not pain, it's tightness. And it's just a point where you, my knee was so used to that tightness being an additional thing to the injury that I, 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 my brain had to relearn that I could, I could take that tightness and then move to the next level and live with that and move to the next level. So as it would dwell in 120 and then I would come back, the next time it would come to 120, it wouldn't feel tight. And so I'd say, okay, I can go to 121, and, and I can go to 122. And I, I got to 130, and you can look at my notes. I got to 130 pretty early. I think I was 130 for a couple weeks. You and, were. And I just, I literally, Mary, was afraid to let the machine go because I thought, my goodness, I don't want to go back, you know. But it got to a point where I, and I was talking to the physical therapist, and I, and I did have, I think, one more meeting with the surgeon halfway through. I said, when is the point where I sort of am beyond the point where it could go back and lock up? And they all said it was between 8 and 14 weeks. Um, and so when I got past that, I got to the point where I said, now I can bike. I can, and I was going out on my, on my uh, regular bicycle outdoors by this point. I was dropping my feet every day on the indoor spin cycle and my outdoor bike. And so I got to the point where I realized, I think I've, the X10 has gotten me to a point where I'm not going backwards. It won't, you know, I'll, I'll be able to continue forward even without the X10. So it was okay to let it go. But I think I, as you, as you can say there, see there, I think I was at 130 and zero for a couple of weeks. Um, and, and I would go into the machine and being very tight, you know, and it would be tight at 110 and 120, but I knew I could move through it and then it'd get to 130 and, I, you know, I would dwell and it would be fine. So um, interesting how your goals with the X10 can be moved forward just a degree at a time. And my 110 became 130, and it was transformational. Oh, my gosh. I am so incredibly happy for you, Jeff. I was sick many years, and my role got so small. So I I totally understand what it feels like to get your life back. So, so what's life like now? Is this the healthiest your leg has been, your knee and your leg since ninth grade, or how are you feeling about all that? My last visit with my surgeon two weeks ago, until and, and he said you're 
you're free to go. See you in a year. He wants to see it at uh, the one-year point, so next May. What I do now is I'm religious about the spin bike in the morning, and then now that we still have good weather here in Michigan, I've been able to get outdoors every night to ride my other bike, which seems to be, for me, the best exercise. And then I do a lot of a lot of uh, weightlifting with it, you know, extensions and, and uh, other other exercises with therabands and so forth. The, the biggest hurdle for me was interesting when this, I knew I was on my way to, to a new recovery was when I could literally go down the stairs. I could always go upstairs pretty well one leg at a time, but I couldn't get enough flexion to go down the stairs. Now that's very comfortable. I just skip down the stairs. Everyone at work was, would laugh. I'd say, hey, I'll, I'll wait. I'll go behind everyone because I'm so slow. And now they're going, oh, you're going down the stairs as fast as we are. So my recovery is by no means over. The surgeon feels like it'll be a year until I will not swell. So I'm good at icing at night. But I now know that I can get to 130 degrees. I have whatever the, uh, the, the, the little thing you use to test your uh, flexion. Cody Ann Ritter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I have one of those. But I have a spot in the area where I work out that I know what what I can sit on and what at what angle my knee needs to be to be at the 130. So I make sure I get there and I I force it to dwell at that spot. And I am just at a point where I really don't think about it now. I can walk in with a normal gait. I, I don't run yet, and I'm, I'm not that concerned about running. It's never been the exercise that I use for uh, for fitness. So the biking was the most important, and I literally have the seat on my bike uh, down lower than when before I went in for surgery. Um, I'm not done. I have to be very careful that I stay on my recovery program, and, and I work at it every day. The reason that I had so much scar tissue going in is that I have a, a, a tendency to, to have scar tissue, so that's going to be something I have to be careful of but i see a really bright light at the end of the tunnel now i can see that each day i have less swelling i'm not going backwards the flexion is staying at the 120 to 130 range it was a point when i came out before the mua where people saying were you glad you had the surgery and i would have said no and if you ask me now i said absolutely Oh, that is great news. <laughs> that is great news. Well, our, and you know, share with them too, how many months now since your surgery? Like so it, it was has May been... 23rd, and it's now or October 15th. But what the surgeon said, it was two months in, so it was July 18th that I had the MUA. And he said, in essence, that's when you're starting over. In terms of the time frame that they look at, you know, how far out you've been and where, where your, your flexion and so forth is. So about a month ago was when I really let the um, the X10 go and was that I knew I was out. So, you know, from, from the MUA to a point where I felt like I was on my route, the real recovery was about four months. Okay, gotcha. That's good to know, right? So everybody out there can just know, hey, I'm going to have to deal with some patience here, but never give up, right? Keep Stay positive. Yep. <laughs> Keep moving forward. Keep doing the things that feel right, right, to me, because you obviously didn't follow the normal protocol or what you were told to follow, right? You took your recovery into your own hands. And it's a very important part of this concept of doing a total knee replacement. I literally went into my doctor who, my, my family doctor who did the blood work prior to surgery, and he said he had just had his done. He's a little younger than me, um, and he was, in his 
exact words, he was back to work in two weeks. So you have that frame of, okay, two weeks. And then I was speaking to another guy I work with, and I said, oh, I'm going in for a knee replacement. He said, don't do it. I said, why? He said, my mother-in-law did it. She had to go back three times, and now they're going to amputate her leg. I'm not kidding. So I had the parameters of two weeks to I could have my leg amputated. And everybody that wow. goes through this is going to hear the same thing. You're going to have someone who had phenomenal results, and you're going to have someone who didn't have great results. And you're going to have to say, I'm going to do what I need to do. And that's what I took upon myself. I was not going to be locked at 70 if there was any way around it because I couldn't live life at the level I wanted to live it. So all I can say is there are people who have phenomenally easy experiences. With it. There are people that go in and have both knees replaced at the same time. I can't even imagine that, having done what I did with my one. But the difference, I think, is if you go in and your knees have just worn out and you're 70 years old, that's different than me who had a traumatic injury. For 40 years, I had you know, dealt with it and walked differently and, and hadn't been able to get my muscles strengthened. So everybody goes in at a different level. And everybody should have their own goals. But all I can say is, for me, it was an imperative that I use everything possible. And that was PT, that was my bike, and that was the X10. And without question, the X10 was the biggest difference maker for me. Ah, well, I am so glad you found us and we found you, Jeff. Honestly, what an honor. <laughs> what an honor to work with you, be your teammate on this, our whole team. I know Candace really, really thought a lot of you, too. So really thank you for, for all that. And thank you for sharing all this with everyone. What are you hoping everyone gets out of this conversation we just had together? Well, it was, it was the thing that the world tells you is it's too good to be true, and, and it's not. I'm not the going-to-church religious guy, but I have a real, real high-level belief system, and I know somebody put that in front of us in, in, on the Internet. And, and so what was, what was important to me when we found the X-10, and my wife brought it up to me, and I'm laying on my back as I'm stuck at 70 degrees, and, and she said, what do you think? And we looked at it, and I literally for three hours watched the testimonials, and, and these were real people. You could tell this wasn't an actor. This was a person who said, I didn't have any flexion, and I now do. And they were out running or riding. And There was a gentleman that was providing a testimonial who was an engineer. And, and that intrigued me because he, he was talking about how the, the computerized portion of it worked for him and why he thought that was important. And uh, this was real-world people. This wasn't an actor saying, oh, you'll just, you know, jump in this and it'll be great. So I think that the important part of this process is these are real people and I'm a real person. And if you are having a struggle with the, the recovery after uh, knee replacement surgery, this is a real world device that works. And that's important to know. So happy about that. <laughs> Anything else you want to say that I haven't covered? I think you did a lovely job explaining your whole journey from beginning to end. I just want to thank you folks at, uh, with X10 that every step of the way from the young lady I would call to, to hopefully extend my uh, the, the, the machine's visit to our house was wonderful. Everyone was so upbeat and easy to work with. Candace was there and cared and, and we talked 
You know, she was always very supportive, but always very push, push, push. And I loved that. Go ahead. You can push a little more. And Mary, you've been so easy to talk with and have always been very supportive. And, and that's very important throughout the process. So thank you to the X10 group is all I'd like to say. So congratulations yeah. to you too, Jeff. Honestly, take the team, right? <laughs> take that's the team. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, well, I wish you continued success in all areas of your life. You take really good care of you, and you know we'll always be here, too, if you ever need anything. Thank you so much. We'd like to thank a few friends of the Bees Knees podcast, including the Knee Pain Guru, natural solutions for chronic knee pain without drugs, shots, surgery, or painful physical therapy. For more info, visit thekneepainguru.com. We're also brought to you by X10 Therapy. And special thanks to Dr. Justin Trosclair at the podcast, A Doctor's Perspective Podcast. I'm Dr. Justin Trosclair, host of two-time podcast awards nominated, A Doctor's Perspective Podcast. I interview doctors in and out of my profession about their specialties and the occasional non-doctor special guests. But we also go behind the curtain and see what's working for their marketing, overcoming struggles, practical knowledge, book choices, and relationship advice. Join me on any podcast app on your phone, or visit adoctorsperspective.net for the show notes pages and free resources. I want you to have an abundant home life as well as a thriving practice. So come on, take a listen. The Bees Knees Podcast comes to you from our studio in Lower Manhattan, New York City. We're here week in and week out shedding light on all aspects of knee surgery and recovery. To reach us, send an email to thebeesneespodcast at gmail.com.